0: This City Wire podcast is sponsored by Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust. Scottish Mortgage invests in some of the world's most promising and exceptional companies, from healthcare breakthroughs, to electric vehicles, to a green energy revolution. Scottish Mortgage takes stakes in businesses, shaping our future economy and society. Scottish Mortgage is considered the flagship trust of Edinburgh-based investment managers, Bailey Gifford, and is the UK's largest investment trust. As with any investment, please note capital is at risk. To find out more, please visit scottishmortgageit.com.
1: Hello everyone, and welcome to The Advice Show. From advising clients to practice management, this podcast will give you UK and global insights into the financial planning profession. I'm Chloe, I joined New Model Advisor as a reporter just last month, and this is my first time hosting the show, which is quite exciting. Um, Today we are joined by Jonathan Warren, Head of Innovation at Altus, to discuss how advisors should talk to their clients about cryptocurrencies and NFTs. I think it's a really fascinating topic, definitely something that advisors will need to grapple with if they haven't yet, um, as their clients express more and more interest and ask more and more questions about the risks and the opportunities of digital assets. Um, So, Jonathan, hello and thank you so much for being here, how are you today?
2: I'm good. Thank you, Chloe. Thank you for inviting me. Appreciate it.
1: Yes, of course. Um, So yeah, to um, get started, um, I'd love to start off by talking a little bit more about the crypto world more um, generally before kind of diving into how advisors should approach that space. Um, So let's start with um, talking about the the risks surrounding crypto and NFTs. Um, What are some of the stability and, and security concerns around it?
2: so i think we'll probably get onto regulation later but when you look at the work the fca is doing on crypto i think one of their main concerns today is to sort of promptly protect vulnerable customers from investing in crypto um, so I say sort of vulnerable people investing in crypto, I don't think they want to stop people investing in crypto, but they're concerned by people investing on the basis of sort of a minimal understanding of it as an asset class, the risk, and sort of allocating too much of their portfolios and savings to it. Um, now, that is a unique to crypto. They you know, they hold the same view on all types of assets that really that really the customer should understand what they're investing in if they're going to invest in it. Um, but, you know, crypto assets are relatively new, they're highly volatile, um, you know, high digit percentage intraday is not uncommon for cryptocurrency. You could lose a significant amount of your capital, if not all of it, depending on what, what which cryptos you invest in. And of course, there's no protection from the Ombudsman or the FSCS, and it's, you know, it's not backed by gold or the central bank in the way some other assets are. Um, I, I mean, I think media-wise on that, I think crypto firms are perhaps a bit more savvy exploiting sort of some of the new media like TikTok and Instagram. Um, I heard a stat this week which I found quite staggering, which is that, you know, more people in the UK on crypto than people that own shares, um, and I think that will be a concern to the Financial Conduct Authority. Something about that media and that messaging is is getting through to people compared to sort of more um, more well-established asset classes. Um, I mean, security-wise, Bitcoin and crypto is, is considered quite secure, um, but it's certainly not immune in the same way uh, in the same way much in the same way as other asset classes and we've seen you know some high-profile hacks and and thefts of crypto I think malware and social engineering tend to be the two biggest threats to crypto's currency wallets um, than exploiting of the blockchain itself Market manipulation is an area, it, it's you know it's not exclusive to crypto, but, you know, sort of the str- stringent monitoring and reporting and some of the well-developed mechanisms that prevent that stuff from going on. And again, on some of the more established areas of financial services are, are just not in place at the moment for crypto. Um, and, and I think on that, you know, we, we've sort of seen, you know, what a tweet from Elon Musk can do in terms of the, the value of Bitcoin.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it's quite interesting what you mentioned about um, that stat about more people owning crypto than actual shares. Um, I came across that as well. And, um, just anecdotally, I know more people that, that, I invest in crypto and that talk about Ethereum all day long than have an ISA or anything like that. Um, and I think it's probably down to the fact that there's, yeah, again, quite a big marketing push in, on social media. I think on TikTok and on Instagram, I just see so much information about crypto and it's marketed as something that's so disruptive and so interesting. And that's probably quite appealing to to young people specifically.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's probably aimed at that younger cohort, isn't it, which I think we gonna possibly talk about a little later.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Um, So, yeah, we've talked about the risk. Um, I'm sure that where there are risks, there must also be some opportunities. Um, What do you think makes crypto and NFTs appealing to investors and what are some of the possible advantages of investing in these assets?
2: so i th- i think to take a step back i think what we've seen in the last 20 years or so is a generational exponential change in the in the world in which we live in which i think we rarely think about um because it's such a short time frame so you know, kind of anecdotally, sometimes on a Friday night I catch um, reruns of Top of the Pops, which at the moment is doing the 90s when I was when I was, mm-hmm. you know, in my teenage years. Um, and you sit there and you think how sort of dated this looks, and and you know it takes you back to a time where, and you reflect on a time where you're talking about pre personal computers in most households, you're talking about pre internet, and you're talking about pre smartphone. Um, and I think sometimes we undervalue what's the change that's really happened in the last 20 years, and and I think that blends a little into the valuation of assets that we've seen. So, you know, if you go back 20 20 years and you look at sort of the stock prices of some of the technology companies um, that have sort of been built on the back of these sort of breakthrough technology, when you think for Amazon, Netflix, Facebook, Google, you know, you could see the exponential returns that you could have achieved if you put pretty, you know, modest thousand pound sums into some of these, some of these stocks, you know, there's lots of articles around, you know, you could be a millionaire by now. Um... And I think a big part of that is we're living in the information age now because of the internet. So ordinary people never I don't think really had access to, you know, share price graphs, stock information tips and sites that tell you the types of things you might want to invest in and I don't think we really had uh, sort of democratised access in itself to kind of the ability to buy and hold investments in the way we do today because of, you know, platforms and some of the some of the trading two and twos and Robin Hood and those kinds of things that are around. So, you know, the stories of millionaire investors that are fingertips. And I think to some extent they've become sort of aspirational. Mm -hmm. I I suppose the overarching point really is is we're living in a period where people are aware that getting in early on investment can have really rewarding upsides. Um, So, you know, you think about how much Mark Zuckerberg is worth, for example, um, and I think that applies to crypto. So you look at the price history of Bitcoin and it's up 14, 15,000% from 2015. I, I recently took intensive steps into crypto and I invested in ShibaCoin um, mm-hmm. last year because I read um, an early investors uh, had put about $8,000 in and it was worth $5.7 this was This was just before the turn of the year. And I mean, that's madness, right? $8,000, it's worth $5.7 billion. Mm. And I think, I think that is the upside and that is the appeal to investors, this potential life-changing returns and opportunities that if you can see something early and get in on it early, um, then you can potentially change your life. And, you know, I guess NFTs are are sort of the next early investment with a potential big upside, particularly when you think about the role they might play in a digital world that we might be living in, Um, Mm -hmm. for example, the metaverse.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, there's a few arguments that have been put forward by proponents of of crypto. Um, For example, the fact that crypto could be a hedge against inflation and that they could potentially also lower overall volatility in the portfolio um, because digital assets have a lower correlation to the market. What do you think about those arguments? Do you think that they hold up?
2: um so so traditionally gold has been seen as the sort of a hedge against inflation but the correlation between the price of gold and inflation actually over the long term you know we've been through periods where you know it's questionable so i mean many cryptos if you take bitcoin as an example have limited supply that can't be changed which of course is a trait they share with, with with precious metals like gold of course there are other cryptos that have not limited the amount of of um coins that can be mined so they may behave very differently to something like Bitcoin. Um, But like gold, as it stands, there's, you know, there's not really a history and there's minimal evidence of correlation between sort of inflation and Bitcoin. So if you take the last six months, we know that inflation is raging, um, but Bitcoin has fallen while the FTSE and the S&P 500 is up. Um, Mm. Cryptocurrencies are such a new asset class, that how they're going to behave under different economic conditions, I don't think is really, really established yet. I mean, you could argue that under sort of its portfolio theory and, you know, that sort of pursuit of diversification, um, you know, crypto could be explored as a small part of a world diversified portfolio um, rather than as a core holding or as a pure hedge. Uh, it feels too early to say with NFTs, I, I get that. it feels like physical artwork is probably the closest comparator to something uh, to an NFT um, and again, I, you know, if you're wealthy enough, that can form part of a world diversified portfolio.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think something that you mentioned a little bit before, and um, that is probably one of the biggest questions around um, cryptocurrency and NFTs is, is the regulation around it. And we know that regulatory frameworks tend to be quite slow to catch up on on new technology. Um, so how, how soon really can we expect regulation and, and what will it look like?
2: I think we can probably expect some to start coming relatively soon. Um, I'll be honest, I'm not exactly sure what it would look like. I I think you're right. I think governments and regulators globally are are playing catch up with crypto. Um, We obviously do have some regulation in this country. It requires crypto firms to comply with the money laundering regulations Um, and the FCA publish a list of of all the firms that have registered with them for that purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, but, But equally, they publish a list of of known firms that are operating in the crypto world that aren't registered which tells you in itself that the the regulator isn't quite on top of it fully i, I think the initial focus will be on that anti-money laundering and su- suspicious activity reporting mm-hmm. um, but of course there's i guess there's a complication with crypto which is for reg- for legislators and regulators in that crypto is a it's a digital global and borderless thing so i think it's going to require some level of international regulatory alignment um, between different countries to make sure it's it's effective um, I mean, I suppose with crypto, what you do have the, the entire driver is, of course, it's based on distributed ledger, and thus, in some senses, it's self-regulating to an extent. Okay. Certainly, from the for, certainly from the perspective of protecting transactions and records from corruption. Um, I mean, I think part of the issue, I think, is we yet to see exactly what crypto will become. So, will it stay as an alternative asset class and behave similarly to commodities, particularly whether the number of coins that can be mined are limited, like Bitcoin, or will we see it actually become a, a you know a legal currency used in everyday transaction? I think whatever route crypto ends up taking may dictate the type of regulation that we end up with.
1: Mm, yeah, because there's I can't remember which country in, in South America that made crypto Bitcoin I think legal tender, right?
2: Yes, there is, and I can't remember the country either. But yes, it was. <laughs> it's, it was. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's in Central America. I cannot remember, yeah. but yeah, yeah, I just thought it was there's an interesting development as well.
2: Yeah, I remember seeing this week that it was. I mean, I think, uh, I think crypto. I think all. I think all innovations, they don't immediately take off. I think they tend to tick along a little bit. They do go up, and they tend to tick along a little bit. But then you, you hit a point where there's an exponential curve where suddenly it just takes off, and I think we're we might just be at the point or coming to the point where crypto and um, decentralized finance might just take off.
1: Mm, Yeah. Um, So now to move on to... um how advisors can and should approach um, cryptocurrencies and NFTs. Uh, We had our NMA um, conference and awards a couple of weeks ago, and we asked advisors about what they think about crypto and um, how they talk to their clients about it. And there seemed to be kind of across the board, a similar sentiment of it's a gamble, it's it's speculation, not really investment, etc. So there's quite a, a reluctance to talk um, to their clients about crypto and i was just wondering why do you think that is is it kind of fear around um those digital assets lack of knowledge is it also kind of practical constraints against uh, around what they can and, and cannot do with crypto
2: um so personally i don't think advisors are reluctant to talk to clients about crypto but i must emphasize the word talk um you know, my intuition is it's discussed if a client asks about it on a sort of reactive basis um, hmm. We had a financial live survey um, back along, which sort of roughly said that people start sort of accessing traditional vice in their 40s, um, which makes sense when you think about, you know, kind of wealth accumulation. That's the age where you've bought a house and you're starting to save money. Um, but I and I think at the moment I understand that not many clients are particularly asking about crypto. Mm. Um, I, th- I think I think it is probably practical constraints. I think today crypto is an unregulated asset um, that the regulator is not been overly positive positive about I think volatility is clearly another critical factor we talked about the growth in value of cryptos earlier but you know bitcoin is down around 30-35% from its peak and that was only what late last year around 4 months Um, going back to my Sheba investment it was only like £100 because I was really interested to get into the world of crypto it's down 65% um, and again that's only you know that's only late last year um, so I think it is, I think it is practical constraints. I, th- I think it would be very difficult for an advisor today to justify putting crypto in a client's portfolio based on where it is as a very volatile, and regulated asset. So mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Um, and do you think there's there's a real case for including crypto investments in in a portfolio? And how most importantly, how should advisors um, talk to their clients about the risks and, and the opportunities around that?
2: I can't. I can't see a case today for how a financial advisor would treat crypto as an asset class that they could justify mm-hmm. including in a client's portfolio. I, th- I think there's two points I would make. I think most advisors have a relationship with clients where the client likes to do a bit of investing, stock picking on on the side that isn't strictly related to crypto you know it could be a specific stock perhaps a small company or something more esoteric that the client really fancies holding a position in um, you know something where there's a there's a high risk of, of loss of capital and the advisor wouldn't advise on it or include it in the portfolio for whatever reason In that scenario, the advisor, I believe, would talk to the client and explain those risks and try to educate the client based on their experience. Um, But I think they would also be saying, Look, you know, if you really want to do it, you know, go and do it outside of our relationship on on a D2C basis. And like I said, that's not not restricted to crypto, but that's restricted to, to other stocks and things that the advisor doesn't advise on. I mean, I think the second point that's not strictly related to the question but i think is an important one is to think how crypto is also jarring with esg which is quite a big thing mm. for advisors and clients at the moment so you know if you know a little bit about cryptocurrency you know that i mean last year alone bitcoin consumed more energy and electricity than the um, Finland as a country Mm. Um, so that is I mean that's another jarring aspect I think for advisors which is you know if you've got a client who's thinking about ESG I I don't think a lot of clients connect crypto and and ESG and that energy usage so I think that's another angle to the conversation that advisors are probably having too.
1: Yeah definitely Um, and so Which conditions do you think crypto and NFTs would need to satisfy to have sort of a real and and lasting place in in financial advice, um, including maybe that ESG aspect that you just talked about?
2: Um, So on the the ESG aspect, I think if crypto really takes off, there will be a... There will be a lot of effort towards making a way that it can run efficiently uh, more efficient energy renewables whatever it may be um i, th- I think more broadly it would need to be regulated uh, i think it would need to establish a track record of lower v- uh, variability and some level of predictability under under different market conditions i think we're some way off that again but but again like i said earlier, anyway, new technologies have a habit of relatively unassuming start, and then they sort of at some point they just go on this sort of exponential curve and mm. it feels like we you know we're coming to somewhere around, less on nfts i think are a bit further behind but i think with crypto you know a lot of financial services companies are now not necessarily crypto but you know they're 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 sort of experimenting with the blockchain in terms of record keeping and and those kind of things so it feels like we, we might be on an upward curve soon but i don't know when
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And just to go back to something that we were talking about a little bit earlier about um, younger people being particularly interested in in cryptocurrency, Um, I'm part of what is called Gen Z, people around my age are particularly interested in in crypto and NFTs and those are also people that are entering, um, that are becoming clients of, of financial advisors more and more. So how can advisors kind of address that demographic?
2: I think this is where it gets interesting for advisors. So you, as I said, earlier, I think your typical consumer today of, tr- of traditional advice is probably. F- it starts around 40, 40 plus when when wealth starts to grow. Mm-hmm. But I think there's probably a skewness towards long-term relationships and in, in slightly older demographic of, of clients on your book. Um, the interest from that cohort in crypto and NFTs, I think, I imagine, it's not powerful today. I'm sure advisors get asked about it, but but not too much. I, I suppose when I was thinking about this question, I was always I always hold the quote um, from Douglas Adams that's kind of anything in the world when you're born is just really native to you. It was there. It's always been there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, anything that's invented. Before Before you're 35 you you're sort of prepared to adopt and it's new and it's exciting for you and and then anything over sort of 35 feels kind of difficult and against the natural order um I think that's a pretty broad generalisation, um, particularly for someone like me who enjoys technology and works in the field of innovation. And you know, I'm a, I, just creep into, I just creep into the millennial category at forty. I mm-hmm. think depending depending on the depending on the definition that you use, um, but I think there is some some validity to it. And yeah. and I can imagine in you know sort of ten to fifteen years, I'll be asking my my children to set up set up my iPhone twenty three. Um, so, but I think there is a next generation of, of vice customers. You know, we know are much more aware of and into these asset classes. There was a great report from um, a company called Britain Thinks that the FCA actually commissioned themselves. And it was all about sort of self directed investors. And it talked about this newer audience being drawn to these high risk investments such as crypto because of their media consumption effect. We're going back to sort of TikTok, YouTubers, Instagram, and the influencers that are on them. Uh, I mentioned earlier, sort of Elon Musk tweeting about it. And, and I think if you, if you think about the economic conditions that younger people are in as well, when you think about house prices, you know, in, in some ways, them being drawn to some of these assets that might deliver a, a superior return, is you know, it, it sort of makes sense. Um, So I think the volume of conversations for advisors will increase, um, and and I think fortunately, crypto's probably got some time um, to establish itself uh, and what it's going to be. Um, But I think the conversations will probably only follow the same path while it remains sort of unregulated and highly volatile. And, you know, I think a professional advisor would would struggle to recommend putting into a form uh, into a portfolio. Would would seek to inform and educate the client based on the best advice. And you know, if they want to do something outside of that advice, then then so be it.
1: Mm-hmm. And so do you think there's there will soon be a space for sort of crypto specialists within financial advice? So financial advisors that are specializing in crypto is that is that something that is on the cards at all? Or?
2: I think it could be if you if you look long term, um, mm-hmm. but I, but I think I think short term uh, on the short term future, I, I would say no. I don't think there will be mm-hmm. advisors that specialise in in crypto.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, And something you mentioned also um, before is that if an advisor um, doesn't want to advise on on crypto, there's nothing really stopping clients from investing. um, And I guess there could be a risk of them making bad decisions because they haven't been educated on it at all. So do you think what advisors have a responsibility to kind of educate themselves on it so they can educate their clients um, and in a way they eventually all have to get on board at least a little bit?
2: Yeah, I think I think so. I think when a client wants to do something, and the advisor says, "Look, this is something that I would advise on," but you can go and obviously, if you want to do it outside with with a subset of your your disposable income, then please do. You're absolutely right. I think there's a there's an education imperative on the advisor, and I'm sure they do this today, which is to sit down and explain, you know, what it is. And I appreciate you've probably seen lots of adverts about it, and you've seen the high returns, and you know, it could have made you extremely wealthy had you invested in the right time. But you know, these are the conditions. It's not regulated. It's not underpinned by um, the FSCS or the Ombudsman Service, and you know your capital really is at risk, and it's highly volatile. Um, and I think that comes, certain a certain amount of that comes down to the personality of the client too. I think um, so. You know, if you've got people who are going to panic when something drops, you know, by a few percent, then clearly probably crypto is not for them. Um, I, th- I think I honestly think most advisors today would never say never. Um, mm-hmm. I think the answer really depends on what happens to crypto from this point. so will it stay as an asset class or will it currency hedge or will it or will we eventually see it become a, a sort of legal currency that's widely used in retail transactions and commercial activity? Um, but I think it will need to become regulated. It, it probably does need to establish some sort of track record. And also, you know, the volatility needs to become maybe a bit less and a bit more predictable. I I don't think we know at this point. I just have to wait and see. I think mm-hmm. c- crypto is, like I say, is probably ahead of NFTs in terms of, you know, entering that advice spectrum. Um, because I think I, I think of NFTs a, a bit more akin to kind of almost art, art dealing really, which I think would probably sit outside of the FCA's remit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm well um jonathan thank you so much for being here and thank you everybody for listening um if you'd like to get in contact with us about this episode we on twitter at new model advisor or uh, feel free to get in contact with me i'm c Melly m-e-l-e-y at citywire.co.uk um thanks again everyone and we will see you next week
0: This City Wire podcast is sponsored by Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust. Scottish Mortgage invests in some of the world's most promising and exceptional companies, from healthcare breakthroughs, to electric vehicles, to a green energy revolution. Scottish Mortgage takes stakes in businesses, shaping our future economy and society. Scottish Mortgage is considered the flagship trust of Edinburgh-based investment managers Bailey Gifford and is the UK's largest investment trust. As with any investment, please note capital is at risk. To find out more, please visit scottishmortgageit.com.